And 13 of these middle school kids gave their lives to Jesus that night. So praise God. It's, you know, you just, you make a way. God makes a way. Next. So also our kids did a carnival for the, it was a children's carnival. We had uh, this bouncy gym. I don't know what you call those in, in America. But anyway, you know what it is. And, and th- then we set up all these different uh, games like ring toss and three-legged race and, you know, balancing stuff and basketball throw. And then you give the kids little prizes. They loved it. And, and their parents came as well. So it was a great outreach to the community. Next. And this is our young people. Um, now our, our youth band is, is getting better and better. And it, it reminds me back in the days when, when Greg, where are you, Greg? Remember those days? And Mel, back at the, when you were in high school still, and we were, you know, just a bunch of kids. And now I look at you guys and the music that you're playing, and I am just so thankful. And I see this next generation like Jos- Josiah and Taylor and Caleb and... I'm thinking, what is the Lord going to do? I mean, I'm so excited. That, as a former music teacher that, and, and, and worship leader, that's the most wonderful thing to see this next generation. And they're going way beyond where I, where, where I never even hoped or imagined. And, and what's God going to do with that? Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Well, this is our young Czech group. And I'm starting all over again the same way, 15, 16 years old. And, and they're getting out with their faith and, and using that music skill to pr- praise the Lord. Next. Now, this is a mountain bike race that we had at Podska. We We're up in the hills. It's kind of like the Ozarks, and it's very beautiful. We're right next to a little river, and uh, we have a lot of trails. So we did this race. We, we worked with a bike shop. We had over 200 contestants. It grew this year. Tommy and our kitchen staff had to do 230 meals. You know, how, how much work is that? <laughs> but it was good. We got it all out there and they loved it. Go to the next and, and then see they come back later with their families because they all love biking up in this beautiful valley. And then we have uh, music every Saturday. And in the breaks, sometimes it's gospel music, sometimes it's country, sometimes it's bluegrass. I'll show you a couple other surprises. <laughs> and then I get up on the break and tell the Bible stories. Now, when I first started this, some, we'd always have some people, well, you can't talk about Jesus, this is a restaurant. And I said, yeah, but it's my restaurant and I can talk about what I want to. <laughs> well, now the people uh, from the neighborhood are like my Protectors. Somebody gets up, what's he talking about? They say, now you sit down, be quiet. Mark's talking about the Bible. It's good for you. And, and they're like my built-in bouncers. <laughs> and, and then afterwards they clap. And, and these new people are coming, oh, well, yeah, I guess that was pretty good, you know. <laughs> and, uh, it's just a culture that people are open and accepting of the Bible stories now, which is, it's amazing because, uh, the, the atmosphere of a restaurant, you know, people are comfortable. They're out there in the, in the shade under our big trees, and it's a beautiful place uh, that people just relax, and they're open to the gospel truth. Next. So this is me. I'm playing some brass grass music. This is a local bluegrass and country band, but we, we put together some gospel sets. And so I, whoever heard a trumpet with bluegrass, right? <laughs> but it's brass grass. And it works. Hallelujah. You know, whatever you can do to get people to listen to the gospel. Next. 
Now this year was our English camp to its greatest success. We had 56 kids and we added a new element. This is a ropes course that just opened up in the zoo not far from Olomotes. Uh, and, and, you know, the kids are up there just having the time of their life. I really wanted to get up there, but I'm 60 now, so wisdom is justified by her children. But, but I wanted to get up there. That looks so fun. But the kids loved it. Next. And then we have a parents' night, the last date. You know, this is our youth band up there playing. And the, the parents all come. And then we have a concert and, you know, a play. And the kids present what they've learned. Next one. And this is uh, uh, teaching for our junior high youth was about Moses' tabernacle. So you got the um, altar of sacrifice. And then, you you know, because Jesus is our sacrifice. And you got the... Um, uh, table of showbread, and you got the altar of incense, and you got the uh, sweet, sweet Um I'm thinking in Czech. The lampstand, because that re- represents the light of the Holy Spirit and revelation in our life. And so we show all these things. And these kids are mostly from unbeliever families. So this is planting the seeds of the gospel. And this camp has been our number one tool for reaching the lost and, and pulling new people into our church. Next, we have a lot of art projects. This is our this is Carol. She's an English teacher from Kentucky. She comes every year with her husband and helps the kids with their uh, camp uniform, which is a tie-dye T-shirt. Next. And then we have art projects. This is the younger kids, that, and, and they, they actually carved this um, statue and then we use those for Bible stories and, and the kids decorate it and paint it. Next. This is how it looks as the finished project. You got Joseph with the coat of many colors, Joseph the shepherd and Joseph the slave. And then we use those, you know, to tell the story and it, it makes a tactile memory for the kids to connect them to the Bible stories. And that's really important. Next. Now, this is how our restaurant looks now. You can see it's southwestern flavor. Tommy, you know, is from New Mexico. So instead of Tex-Mex, we have Chex-Mex. <laughs> but they like it, so that's good. Next, that's how it looked six years ago. And so you can see we had a lot of work, and we're still doing work because it's a 90-year-old building, but we're redeeming the land. Amen? Next. So that we're also redeeming our church building in Olomotes. Um, a year and a half ago, we got a hold of this. It was an auto parts store and it had grease and oil and junk all over. And we had to rip up all the tile and carpet. And because it's a 120-year-old building, a lot of the cement came up with it. So we had to resurface the whole cement floor. And uh, then we put in a new stage and we just put in a new kitchen this last fall and children's rooms and uh, redid the front facade. Next. And now you see the result. Over on the upper right is our sanctuary. It seats about 90. And praise God, we're, we're almost filling it. Hallelujah. And over here is the uh, fellowship. We have like a tea and coffee room. And Tommy's leading a women's fellowship there. And then on the lower right is our, our new kitchen facility. So now we can make meals. And once a month we have a food and fellowship time after church, which they're doing actually today. Next. And so this is how it looks on the street. We're right in front of a bus stop. We're on the busiest street in Olmutz. We have 15,000 cars a day that go by our place. So it's, it's a great location. 
And uh, we're using that building to put the gospel on the map in the city of Olomouc. Next. And we're also doing outreaches to the gypsy community over in eastern Slovakia where there's 85% unemployment among the gypsies. Now, you all know if it gets above 10%, Americans are howling. But it's 85%. That means 15 people out of 100 have a job. That's That's terrible. And so the poverty, you can imagine, it's rampant. Next. But, you know, when we go and preach, people get saved. We, at that last meeting I showed, that we, this is another meeting. We had like nine people come to the Lord. But in the former one, we had like 70 people come up and get saved. And that church is exploding. Next. This is their children's church. It's only two years old. They had over 100 kids in the children's church. And I was... I was there with Hones in November, and these kids, uh, you know, a lot of them, are, they, they got cardboard shoes, they got thin little clothes, they have no jackets, and it was like 35 degrees outside. And they're coming and shivering, their noses are running, and they're skinny as toothpicks, some of them. And, and so I, I got convicted, and we, we did a clothing and gift box drive. We bought 55 big gift boxes for the children, wrapped them up really nice for boys, for girls, and then a hundred, well, we, we brought clothes, uh, a whole truckload of clothing from several churches. And they were so excited. And I was just so blessed because some of these kids had never had a Christmas present in their whole life. But they got one. <laughs> Hallelujah. And they know where it came from. And we, you know, we said, this is from Jesus to you. And that's how we're changing lives. Next. This is the gypsy leaders. You can see they only come up to my shoulder because they, they all suffered from childhood malnutrition. And so they're all short. And, you know, this can't go on. People, those are God's people. And they are hungry for God. And we have to do something, not only to give them the gospel, but to help raise up their standard of living. we got to teach them job skills. we got to teach them. Now they started a little thrift shop, and we're keep, we continue to bring clothes, and they, they clean up the clothes. They sell them for real cheap, and then what they don't sell, they just give to the people. But it's teaching the gypsy ladies job skills, how to manage money, how to organize, and how to uh, make things sellable. Next. So... This is all the different aspects of how we're reaching out to the lost. Jesus said, The king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it to the least of these my brethren, so ye have done it unto me. And you can't go to Czech and Slovakia, probably most of you can't, but in a way, yes, you are going, because this church is a faithful supporter for 18 years to help us be in Czech and Slovakia. And I, I honor Dale and Teresa because you folks taught that culture of caring for missions. Even what you're doing with that Stephen ministry, that's a, that's a beautiful thing because it gives people hope again who have given up hope. And I just want to encourage you folks. You are going to check in Slovakia because when you get to heaven, every person that we reach with the gospel over there, you have a share in that <laughs> because we're all on the same team. Amen. Amen. 
If I can go and, and, and help build more churches, and, and my hope is encouraged today, people. I'm hopeful. I, I see nine churches. I'm just, I'm a young man. I'm only 60. I mean, Caleb and Joshua were 85. So I got plenty of time. Hallelujah. I want to see 50 more churches by the time it's the, the call home. Amen? What's God able to do? Well, there's no limit. But we just got to have a vision. And so y'all need to keep your vision. Keep your vision for what God can do, not just in Czechoslovakia, but right here in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Amen? I'm going to ask my brother if you would please put on that other uh, presentation called Anchor of Hope. Because I, I've been traveling in the States, and I see there's a lot of people who are really struggling with their hope right now. And, and sometimes it even tries to come against me. Uh, many people feel like hope is a thing of the past, a fleeting vapor, so hard to hold on to in a world of uncertainty and turmoil. And I, I just want you to know today, it's time for all of you to refloat your ship of hope. Amen? It, you know, we see all this crazy stuff going on with these ISIS and, you know, these Muslim fanatics just killing everybody, this culture of death. But they cannot win! Because we serve the God of life. And, and you know, no matter what it looks like, people, God is going to win. And we are on the winning team. Amen? And if we have God, there is hope for every one of us. I know, I, I talk to young people and they see economic situations are crazy and the world, all the, you know, the Russians now in Europe, it's a scary thing because we're just three hours from where they're bombing people. They've killed 6,000 people in the last six months in Ukraine. That's like from here to Kansas for us. That's scary because they already were under the Russians for 45 years and they see nobody in Europe has the will to stand up against Putin except the Polish. I got to give the Poles credit, man. They, they are standing, they're getting all their tanks and weapons and armies and planes and helicopters and they're right on the border and they're telling Putin, yeah, you want to come here? It ain't going to be like in Ukraine. Well, Good. Praise God, somebody's got to have the nerve to stand up because he's got the same spirit of Stalin. They already divided up Poland, you know, in the, before World War II. And you saw the end result of that. How many Poles died? Millions. And folks, we've got to stand up in prayer because this is serious business. Unfortunately, we have a president who doesn't really think it's a problem. And, and, and we got to pray for our president to see, hey, Somebody's got to stand up against Ukraine or the whole of Eastern Europe is once again going to come under Russian domination. He, he, that's his, his vision and his goal is to take back the Russian empire that he thinks is rightfully theirs. And folks, it's dangerous, but I have hope because I believe in Jesus Christ and he's got a plan for those nations. Amen? Amen. And that's why we're there. Because the gospel is the only thing to stop the terror and evil in this world. Evil can only prosper when godly good people sit and do nothing. And it's time for us to stand up and be counted. Amen? Amen. And it's time for our voice to be heard. Well, you know, Job, he got in a place of despair. I mean, who wouldn't? He lost his family. His children died. He lost all his lands. 
and his sheep and oxen. And then he got sores, boils, painful all over his body. And, I mean, it looked like it was hopeless. But Job said, what is my strength that I should hope? And what is mine end that I should prolong my life? See, if you're only looking in your own strength and in your own self, then there isn't a reason to hope. But look what God says. He says, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. Firm and secure, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Go to the next slide, please. Now look at this. This, we, 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 We need to understand, see, life has its storms. And there are things that the enemy has already planned to try to stop you from getting back into your hope and accomplishing the goals that God has for your life. And I, I want to ask you, is, are you prepared? <laughs> is your ship of hope sound? Or are there some leaks in the bottom of the boat? <laughs> Have you got everything in there that you need? Have you got your anchor of hope? We just read the hope is an anchor that holds us in the faith of Jesus Christ that we shall not be moved when the whole rest of the world is shaking and going crazy. Amen? And I, I thought about this. You see that boat? It's going up over a wave in the midst of a coming storm. It's about to blow right over. And I'm wondering, was that guy prepared to go and face that storm? Did he know what was coming? I went out with Michael, my son, when he was about 12. <laughs> He'll tell you about this. And, and we were up in Minnesota. And, you know, I wanted to show him, yeah, we're going to go out and do some fishing, son. Come on. And when we left, it was pretty nice. But then it started getting cloudier and cloudier. And it was a big lake. And, uh, you know, Minnesota weather, if you don't like it, wait five minutes. It'll change. <laughs> And that's what happened. And we got out there, and it started to get cloudy. And Michael said, Dad, you know, it's getting kind of cloudy. I said, oh, but the fish bite better when it's cloudy, you know. (laughs) And sure enough, he caught a couple of nice, uh, he got a walleye and a crappie. And I didn't catch anything. I'm like, man, I want to catch a fish. And he's saying, Dad, it's getting pretty cloudy out here. Wind's starting to pick up. And I said, oh, it's okay. You know, I, I grew up in Minnesota, you know, and I know how this works, and it, it'll just pass over in a couple minutes. Well, it started to blow, and the wind started whipping up, and pretty soon the rain isn't just trickling. I mean, it's coming down. And he said, Dad, it's time to go. I said, you're right, son, let's go. <laughs> and I started this little motor, you know, and it was like a 3.5 horsepower. <laughs> You know, Michael's, you know, kind of getting scared. His eyes are getting big and the boat, the waves are getting bigger. And I, you know, pretty soon this tornado cloud shows up on the other side of the lake. I'm serious. I'll tell you, you see that, you get real Pentecostal in a hurry. Yeah, Michael, man, he, he, I never heard him pray in tongues like that before. And he said, Dad, what are we going to do? I said, well, you got to get into the shore. Come on, let's go. And, and, and this wave came up. The whole front of the boat picked up. And I mean, it hung there for a couple seconds. 
And I said, Michael, get up in the front of the boat. <laughs> he goes up there and he's hanging on. We put the fishing tackle up there. We put the, the little gas thing from the motor up there. And, you know, put, putting along. Man, I, I was, I was, whoa. I was Pentecostal. I mean, I was praying in the Holy Ghost. And we got back. We made it back. But I realized I wasn't really prepared for that. I hadn't checked the weather report. I didn't know what was coming. And see, this is the thing. We don't know what's coming in this world. But the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 1.13, Wherefore, you got to gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. That means you got to be serious about your faith. you got to have that anchor seriously hooked into the word of the living God, into the presence of God, into the atmosphere of hope. People, this house, this church is the atmosphere of hope, and you got to sink your roots deep into the house of God. Amen? And into the fellowship that you have. Because there's a lot of shaking going to be going on. And who's going to stand are the people that do what this verse says. He says, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now let's break that verse down. There's three verb phrases in that. It says, therefore, prepare your minds. This is the New American Standard. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in your spirit. Are, are you prepared for action? Action just doesn't mean showing up for Sunday morning church. <laughs> Action means that you got wheels on your faith and your hope is out there encouraging you and directing you how to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that's the main reason we're here on this planet, people. It's not just, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a nice house and a good job and a decent car. That's fine. But those things are all going to disappear on the day Jesus comes back. Are we ready to face him? Are we doing what he's called us to do? Amen. So we got to gird up the loins of our minds. That means our, our minds aren't just lazy and passive and oh, whatever happens, happens. You know, like, wow, man. You know, I, I grew up in the 60s and everything was just phlegmatic and manana and, you know, who cares? But no, that's not how a Christian should live. It says... You gotta fix your hope completely on the grace which is gonna be brought to you. I mean, everybody here has some challenges and some obstacles, but we gotta fix our hope on the grace that Jesus is gonna give to us. How? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation will come when you press in and seek Him. And if you don't have fresh revelation, the grace is going to pass. I mean, God has the grace constantly available, but some people don't appropriate it because they don't have a fresh revelation of Jesus. They're still going on some revelation they got like six years ago. <laughs> and that's not going to cut it. we got to have fresh revelation, and then the grace of God is going to help you to keep your hope fixed, attached securely to the promises of God. Amen? Go to the next one. So, we, we know this. Hope deferred. Hope when it's put off makes the heart sick. That, that's Proverbs 13, 12. And people, they lose their hope in this world because of broken relationships, rejection, strife, betrayal. 
you know, it can be sickness, physical limitations, just old age. Sometimes you just, oh man, is there a hope for me? Uh, you know, you might be in your 70s or 80s. Yes, there's a hope for you. Doesn't matter. Age is relative. I, I, I maybe look 60 on the outside, but in, inside I'm like 15. Hallelujah. <laughs> I have hope. Well, <clears throat> other people, it's loss of jobs, business failures, financial difficulties. I mean, this is an ongoing thing. And, and we have to have our, our hope so fixed to Jesus that even if the job or the business does crumble, we still are able to stand because we just say, okay, God, if this didn't work, you got something else that's just as good. Hallelujah. And he will provide because that's part of his promise. Other people, it's lost dreams. You know, they, they had a dream and they, they got distracted and pulled off because of maybe family situations or obligations. And then there's obstacles and, and, and barriers that come that just seem insurmountable. How many know what I'm talking about? Obstacles to your goals. Obstacle to your ministry calling. Obstacle to your education. But this is life. So other people, it's unrest. It's instability. Because our world is, is really broken and messed up. But I tell you what, people, one word from God, one fresh revelation from Jesus, and everything changes. Hallelujah. Amen. You just get the, the rhema revelation, and, and everything can go from, you know, like Joseph. I mean, he was stuck in that prison all those years. And in one day, he went from the prison to the palace and became the second ruler of the whole kingdom of Egypt. <laughs> but see, that's how, that's the God we serve. And see, that when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. But here's the key. You've got to get your desire first in the spirit before you're going to see it manifest in the natural. Amen. You got to spend the time in prayer. You got to get that promise of God and, 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 and just drink in that truth of what God's already made available through the cross. And then you get that desire. And oh man, I already got it in here. I got those 50 churches inside of me. I got them. You don't see them yet. I only see nine, but I don't care. Uh, the desire is in me, and it's a tree of life that makes me like a strong oak of righteousness planted by the waters of the living Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost water. Are you planted? Is your tree of life growing? Well, you got to get connected to the vine, <laughs> and, and your hope will grow again. The buds of hope are going to start springing up in you. I had this amazing thing happen to me. Go to the next one. It was over in check, and I had cut some branches and, you know, tree, big tree limbs down, and I, I brought them back in the trailer, and I was going to get ready to cut them up, because we, every time I see wood lying around, I'm picking it up. We, we don't have gas heat in Podscala. We have six big fireplaces in the restaurant upstairs in our flat. We have a lot of wood. I, I cut and stack and split like a whole semi-trailer load of wood every winter because it's cold. We had snow on the ground, six inches the whole month of February. It never melted. It's cold. And so I was just doing what I do. And I came back in the springtime. Now, these are the, see those cut off limbs? 
In the same month as spring came around, I looked and on these dead branches, I, I just was busy, I hadn't had time to go out. I, I go out there and these cut off trees had fresh leaves growing on a dead tree limb. <laughs> because the tree was at an angle like that, it was horizontal, and the sap was still running up into those limbs and the tree didn't know it was dead yet. <laughs> Now see, that's the power of the life of God. It doesn't matter what it looks like in the natural. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, it will quicken your mortal body. Amen. It'll make that juice of the Holy Ghost, that living water of the spirit will rise up out of your innermost being and you're going to have branches and fresh leaves and fruit growing off of you and people... How'd they do that? I thought they were a dead branch. Oh, no. I'm connected to the vine. I'm connected to Jesus. His sap is flowing fresh in me, and I'm putting out new buds. And Oh, everybody, can you feel it? Put your hands up right now. You feel those fresh buds? Woo! You feel them little flowers? Boink, boink, boink. It's spring is humming. Spring is here. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. And so... God's hope is always alive, no matter what our situation looks like. Go to the next one. Now, we have to counter those things, those situations that says your hope is cut off. you got to counter it with the Word of God. You may feel like you're cut off, but God says, Job. Now, this is the same Job that we read a few chapters before, who said, well, I... How can I hope my strength is gone? But then he started to get the revelation. And he said, For there is hope of a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Job started to see, you know, maybe I did get cut down for a while. But I, like a tree, like, you know, you cut down a stump, and then suddenly the out of that stump comes these new branches, and that tree just won't die. Well, that's how we are, because we have the resurrection life of Jesus in us. Amen? And in John 15, 4 and 5, he says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth how much? That's you. That's me. That's the kingdom of God. For without me, you can do. <laughs> Amen. So that should tell us where our priority should be. You want much fruit? You got to be abiding in the vine. You got to be abiding in the word. You got to be abiding in praise and thanksgiving and, and sharing your life with other people. You gotta be abiding in your church. You gotta be abiding in those fellowship groups. What do you call them? Covenant groups. That's a good thing. It's not just about what you get. It's when you go there, you can impart life and put some sap in those other folks that need some hope right now. Amen? And then it'll come a time and they'll put the sap right back in you again. Amen. Let's go to the next one. I'm almost done. In ancient times, there was ships that would have a forerunner. Greek is proderomos, who went before us, known as the anchorarius. What is that? Well, they, they put the anchor 
of the boat in the big ship in a smaller boat and they'd have a group of guys and they'd row that thing close into the harbor where it was too shallow for the big ship and they'd anchor that anchor for the whole ship securely in the shore so that when the winds or the waves come up it would not pull that ship back out into the open ocean and now Jesus he is that one who has gone before us a forerunner And he went into the throne room of God by the sacrificial offering of his own blood and made the atonement for our sins. And now he is our mediator. He's that anchor of our hope, ever interceding before the Father as the guarantor and the anchor of our hope. Amen. Now here's the scripture again. For we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure, It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, the forerunner, has entered on our behalf. And he has become our high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Oh, hallelujah. I want you to get a vision of that right now. Jesus, he went in there and through his own blood, he had the right to take the the anchor of our hope and place it firmly right in the throne room of heaven. And as long as you've got your lifeline connected to that anchor, people, you have hope today. And nobody can take it away forever and ever. Glory to the living God. Go to the next one. Now look at Here's that boat coming in. And they're going to put that anchor up there on the shore where it cannot be moved. Jesus is our anchor of hope to keep us safely moored in God's peace through the storms of life. And now, I'm going to continue in a minute, but I want you to look at this lower picture. This is just a small sailboat. And you look at the size of the anchor on that boat. Well, this guy's probably going out to do some deep sea fishing. And if you don't have a big anchor... That anchor is not going to be able to stand when the waves and the wind uh, start pulling on it. It's just going to bounce right off the bottom, and that anchor is going to move. I remember as a kid, you know, we'd go out fishing, and sometimes the waves would get big, and that anchor would just be pulling right along the bottom of the the lake. And, and, well, we got to get a bigger anchor. Well, I want to encourage you today. How big is your anchor? And how, how do you make it stronger in the spirit? And I'm telling you, it comes through confession of your hope. Confession of what Jesus has appropriated for you on the cross. Confession of his deliverance, his power, his authority, and his overcoming victory for all who have faith. And This is just going along with the scripture. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holy place by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way, which he inaugurated us through the veil, which is to say his flesh. And having that's the new and living way. It's the flesh, the body of Christ, which was sacrificed for us. Amen? That means he took your sicknesses. He took those financial failures. He took that rejection. He took that divorce. He took those depressions, mental anxiety, and he nailed them to the cross. And they have no power over you again, ever, because they've been canceled out by the blood of the living Christ. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Woo! 
And he says, so let us draw near with a sincere heart. Everybody put your hand here and say, my heart is sincere, Lord. Say, I have assurance of faith, Lord. Having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Oh, thank you, Jesus. No matter what failure you made, no matter what mistake you did. Oh, thank you, Lord. Today we have assurance of faith because our hearts have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And we are new creation. We're righteous. And we have that old evil conscience is now buried and dead. And our bodies are clean. And we have hope. So let us, verse 23, hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. See, wavering is doubt. And doubt is when you shoot holes in your ship of hope. I mean, I see people, and they one minute they're in church, they say, oh, I know the Lord can heal me. And then they get right out, well, I don't feel so good. They just shot a hole in the, well, you know, the doctor said, now it's leaking more. Well, you know, my Aunt Tilly had the same kind of thing, and I got it too, I guess. And then they wonder why their ship of hope is floundering in the water. Well, they're shooting it full of holes by their own confession. And he says we got to hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Put that doubt gun back and throw it in the bottom of the sea because he who promised is faithful. Hallelujah. He's faithful and he will never let us go. He's the God of all hope. Go to the next one. Now look at Jesus. And This is just practical Christianity now. He says, we lose our hope when we get our eyes off of Jesus and onto the circumstances. I mean, if you just look at the news all day and read all the negative stuff, because it's the negative news that sells. And that all the TV networks, all the TV, I'm saying all the TV networks, they just hammer and hammer on all that negative stuff. And sometimes, folks, you got to just shut that Idiot tube off, and you got to go to the book of good news. It's right here. It's all good. And if you're spending more time watching the internet and the news programs and commentaries than you are in the book of hope, well, it's no wonder that your ship of faith is floundering. And, and the same thing happened to Peter. Look at, he said, straight away, Jesus spoke to them. He said, be of good cheer. Remember, he was out walking on the water in the middle of the night, and the waves were getting high. They saw Jesus come. He says, don't be afraid. I'm here. It is I. Do not be afraid. Amen? Don't look at the world and start getting afraid that ISIS is going to come and blow up your neighborhood. (laughs) People, we have a God who's bigger than that. We, we have to stand in wisdom, but folks, we do not get controlled by fear. That's what they want to do. They want to control the world through fear. No, we have God on our side, and he overcomes that evil through love. Amen? We serve the God of love, and there's thousands and thousands of Muslims coming to the Lord right now because they don't see any love anywhere in the Koran, but they see it in Jesus Christ. Amen? And he said... Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come to thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come out of the boat, he walked on the water, and he began to go to Jesus. See, 
When you got your eyes fixed on him, you, you take over the supernatural and even physical characteristics of your world around you because you're not operating in a human realm anymore. Now, there's nothing wrong with intellect. There's nothing wrong with a good education. But see, people, we've got to learn how to come out of the whole natural realm of, of thinking and doing and start walking in the water by faith in the area of supernatural truth. Amen? Do y'all hear what I'm talking about? If we're just going by what we see and feel and think, we're going to be just like Peter. We're going to start to look at the circumstances and, oh, I don't know about this. You know, if I was looking at the circumstances, <laughs> I'd still be a band director in Tulsa. But 23 years, 22 years later, I'm, I'm a minister of the gospel and in a Czech Republic, and there's nine churches and a couple more in Slovakia that weren't there before. Hallelujah. What, what's God going to do? I'm finally to the place I actually know what I'm doing. Hallelujah. <laughs> what's God going to do with that? Well, there's no limit. But i got to keep my mind in that supernatural realm where I'm not controlled by the physical things or financial things. I mean, in the natural, my finances... Uh, it's hard. I've, I've lost eight churches in the last five years since the 2008 crash. And most of it was pastoral changes. A church had a change of pastor. New guy comes. Well, I don't know you, and I got other friends. And so bye. And 16 years of affiliation with that church is gone. And I, I live in Czech Republic. How do I, how do I replace that? Oh, the waves are coming up. The doubt and the fear trying to get in. Oh, Mark, you're going down. You're not going to have enough. It's going to be too bad. You're going to come back to Tulsa and, and be a band director for those sixth graders and listen to... Oh, God, deliver me! No! <laughs> I have... Jesus Christ, hallelujah, amen, and, and see, the wind got boisterous, and he was what, afraid, see, that fear, it, you know, it comes against you, just when you're about to step out and do things in faith, just when you're about to step out and, and say, you know, Pastor CG, I, I really feel calling to teach one of those covenant groups, and I have this word in me, and you know, he's probably going to say yes, <laughs> But have you done your homework? Are you walking in faith or are you just walking in presumption? People, we got to prepare and we got to train ourselves to keep our eyes on Jesus. And that's what Peter had to do. He cried, Lord, save me. I'm beginning to sink. And immediately Jesus caught and stretched forth his hand. But now listen what he said to him. Oh, thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? O thou of little faith. See, people, we are all capable of walking on the water. Peter actually did it. The other nine disciples were all still hanging in the boat. They didn't even step out. I got to give Peter credit. He had more faith than all those other guys. Now, he did sink. But remember this. That same Peter... He rose up out of that water and he, de he determined to change. 
That same Peter even got nervous and denied Christ three times, but he got determined to change. He says, I'm going to get on to that faith walk. I'm going to get my eyes back on you, Jesus, and I'm not going to fail this time. And that Peter came to that day of Pentecost. And the tongues came from heaven. And he spoke with power and authority. And all the other believers, I said all the other believers got filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in tongues and prophesy. And they went out on the streets of Jerusalem. And 3,000 people got saved in one day. Now that's what I call revival. Can that happen in still water? Oh yes, because it's the same Holy Spirit that was in them that's in you. We just got to be activated by faith and hope. Amen. And, and see, when Jesus and Peter got in the boat, immediately the wind stopped. The waves. And all the disciples said, who is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. He's the son of God. That's who he is. He controls all those winds and waves that are coming against you right now. But you got to get Jesus in your boat. Amen? I mean, totally in your boat. You see those advertisements, what's in your wallet? You know, like if you got some credit card, yeah, right, like that's going to help. I just get a couple more hundred thousand dollars in debt. <laughs> or, you know, some other guy, what's in your safe? When you get all this silver and gold, I'm sorry, silver and gold ain't it. If Jesus is not in your boat, you're going to sink. And you're going to get overcome by the wind and the waves in these last days. Oh, but if he's in your boat, I got something way better than a credit card. I got way better than silver and gold. I got the authority of the kingdom of heaven. And he's on my side. Hallelujah. Woo! Everybody, this is about time to say amen. amen. This is about time to stand up and shout. I'm preaching myself happy. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. Now look at hope floats. If you got hope, man, you're gonna float above the storm. Everybody say, hope floats. What it can float depends on the depth of your faith. Have you got little tippy toe? level of faith you know well i came on sunday morning and i said all the hallelujahs Bleep, you know <laughs> i just got a little bit you know or did you go in with your foot you know well i got a little bit of faith you know i, I listened to mark's mark's preaching and he preached all the way to 12 rah, but i stood there the whole time okay well that you got a foot in there oh no no people it's time to jump in jump in all the way up where you're swimming in faith. Amen. It's time to get the depth of faith that nothing is going to steal your hope and move you out of that atmosphere of faith. Amen. And the same thing happened to the disciples. I'm almost done. Mark 4:37. There arose a great storm of wind. Huh, and the waves beat waves beat into the ship and it was now full. And Jesus was in the back part of the ship, the hinder part, asleep on a pillow. And they awakened him and said, Master, do you not care that we perish? You know, and that is just really kind of absurd. <laughs> you think, 
These disciples live with Jesus. They saw him feeding the 5,000. They saw him raising the dead. They saw him, you know, taking care of the needs of every sick person he came across. And, and they said, Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? I mean, talk about, that's probably the most self-pitiful statement in the whole Bible. Oh, Jesus, don't you care we're perishing? Oh, come on, you wimpy. Where's your faith, man? Where's your faith? Come on, stand up and, and let's have faith. And he, he arose and just like that, he rebuked the wind. And he said, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm over the whole sea. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? He rebuked them. How was it that they saw Jesus do all these things, that they were in the presence of the living word of God, and they couldn't have faith in the midst of that storm? He was... I don't think, I think he had kind of one eye open <laughs> and he was laying in that boat just wondering, when is somebody going to finally stand up and rebuke this storm and pray? And he's just waiting there and oh, he doesn't care about us. And that was it. He's, okay. He stood up. Wind, be still. Rain, stop. Waves, you settle down right now. <sighs> oh, ye of little faith. When are we going to start acting in that kind of faith? Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he did it then, he can do it now. But we just got to stand up in that same kind of boldness and faith that he was teaching those disciples. And praise God, some of them did. And they changed the world. Oh, sorry. I don't need this much. Let's go to the last one. We need to fear God, not situations, because fear will steal our hope. Go to the next slide if it'll come. But perfect love casts out all fear. See, when we get that revelation of the love of Jesus Christ, totally, we know he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will never leave us empty and alone because he cares about us as a loving father. He cares about us as a shepherd for his little sheep. He cares about us so much he died so that we could live. And that's perfect love. And that should cast every bit of fear out of us that we never doubt and fear again. Amen? You never have to doubt or fear anything because Jesus is with you. Remember the word to your servant in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction that your word has revived me. See, we got to come back to that, that solid revelation of the word of Jesus Christ, what he said to us. Because one word from God changes everything. Amen? One word changes everything. You are my hiding place and you are my shield and I will hope in your word. Now, uh, this, and check I say this is my post-ledney, post-ledney pismo. That means this is my last, last scripture. And I promise this is really the last one. <laughs> last one is next. And I'm done. Go ahead. This is that wonderful passage of Lamentations 3, 20 to 26. And 
Folks, this is what we got to do. We got to train ourselves to think back and recall everything that Jesus did for us from the beginning of our faith until now. And believe in hope again, because he does not change. If he did it before, if he did it in the Bible, he's going to do it now, right in these days that we live in. Amen? Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to mine. I, I'm going to recall that all those times when I was afflicted, Jesus came and he helped me. Therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness to me, indeed, will never cease. And this is now the New American, or the King James Version. It says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are not going to stop. His compassions endure every morning. They are new. Look at that next verse. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Remember that song? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. Amen. People, you got to get this in your spirit today. His faithfulness and his loving kindness and his compassion are over you every day, today, tomorrow, and even to the day that you die, and then for the next eternity. Hallelujah. And you can't get away from him. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Your job is not your portion, folks. Your career is not your portion. Your friends, your family, they're, they're, they're part of you, but they're not your portion from heaven. Your portion is the Lord. Everybody, put your hand on your heart right now. I'm done. I say, the Lord is my portion. portion. Saith my, my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. To the soul that seeketh him. I will seek you, Lord. I am not a passive Christian. My hope is not lazy. I got no leaks in my boat. My hope is in the Lord. It's good that a man should both hope. Say the last verse. And quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. I'm waiting, Lord. My hope is in you. And together we win the victory to the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's all stand together. And I just wanted to remind you of the opportunity to give. There's an offering box out there in the, in the foyer. Also, um, um, just like you can use the kiosk if you want to, you can also uh, do that to give to Mark. And when you go to the menu, it scroll all the way down and it has, um, is it Rain Ministries? Is that the name of it? Rain? Rain Ministries. Rain Ministry. So you can give through the kiosk too, uh, through the kiosk. 
And also don't forget, if you would like to take advantage of the wonderful opportunity Wednesday night, parents, to have a night out. Uh, Wednesday, text Kalen or sign up in the hallway uh, so they can have an idea of how many people to expect or how many kids to expect that night. All right. And that is this week, by the way. If anybody would like to get on our mailing list, either email or snail mail, put your name out there. We'd love to send you our updates. And also there's some uh, little calendars that are free that will help you to put that on your refrigerator and pray for revival in Czechoslovakia. So take advantage. Of it's on the table out there. Thank you. It's in the area where we sell the CDs and books in that little uh, coven there. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your encouragement. We thank you for just reminding us of the hope we have in you, regardless of the circumstances and even through the circumstances. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the anchor of our soul. And we do put our hope in you. And we thank you that we can be beacons of hope for those who don't have hope, Father. So we thank you for your word. We thank you for your encouragement. And we love you and we choose to honor you as we walk with you this week. In the incredible name of Jesus, amen. Have a great time with your covenant groups this week, and we'll see you guys next time. God bless you.